On this episode of the Digital Missions Podcast, we continue our conversation with the Tim Barber. In our last conversation, we were talking about how to use paid Facebook advertising to let your ideal clients know about your core offers. And in this episode, we talk about how to use that data to actually close the gap between awareness and the action of buying your product so that your ministry can be monetized and self-sustainable. Here we go. Step two is this direct offer. A lot of us, if you've ever spent any time in, in marketing, a lot of what's being taught came from one guy, I'm not going to name names, about nine years ago at this point. A lot of what's being taught came from this one guy about nine years ago. A lot of people bought his course and then they made their own sort of version of it. They just learned what he taught and they made their own version of it. And then those people had their own disciples, we'll say, the people who follow his, you know, their teaching. And then it's all basically just recycling the same ideas. And a lot of things have changed since then. But essentially what is mostly out in advertising land, what people talk about, is creating an offer ad that immediately gets people to jump in and buy. But if you, again, if you make that the first step, that's like the person just standing out on the street corner hawking their snake oil or whatever, right? That's not yeah. necessarily what we want to be doing. But if we make a direct offer of help to someone who we've already helped, who's already seen our material, who's already received some training for us, and then we say in a separate context, hey, by the way, if you are interested at all in, in getting some personalized help getting from point A to point B, I've actually got this thing that I'm, I'm putting up for offer right now where it's direct access to me. I'm not trying to, this is no get rich thing. I'm, it's not $15,000. I'm not even going to sell it to you first. I want to talk to you first and see if you guys, if you need any more help. But you make a direct offer of help to these people, whether that's in the form of a video or a photo ad, the format doesn't really matter. You're simply saying, hey, if I were to offer to take you from point A to point B in this amount of time, get you this result without having to do these things that you don't like, would you be open to taking me up on that offer? Hmm. And if you submit a question like that to people who've already seen your material, one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to say yes, and you've validated that people actually want this thing, and then they're going to pay money to, to get the problem resolved, and you're off to the races, and congratulations, you just signed a client. Or no, they're going to say, no, I don't need that. And either from there, you're either going to have so many people who say no that you're like, okay, people don't actually want this. The way that I'm talking about it doesn't seem to be really resonating, so I'm going to have to go back to the drawing board for how I'm talking to this. Or they're willing to tell you why they don't want it, and then you can change your messaging either way, right? But the that, best that part is that you get humility, a yes though. or a no. That, that requires oh my so goodness. much humility to hear the no's and the why they say no. Because if you're not in a healthy space, let's just say, if you don't have the yeah. right perspective of a no, you're going you're gonna to call it quits. You're going to take it as somehow indicative about who you are as a person. This must mean, therefore, I've read mm. uh, everything wrong and I, I misinterpreted God's call for my life because people said no. So hold on. Noah preached for 120 years. He got a couple <laughs> no's along the way. Let's not be so dramatic. But you're saying is that the no's are actually the tool to get more yeses. Because when you pay attention to the why behind the no, you can now shift what you're offering mm -hmm. to meet the actual need, not the need that you think they have. Yeah, Jesus himself had haters. So if I go out with anything that's worth saying and I don't anticipate also being hated, then I think my, my expectations got mixed up somewhere along the way. At least if I'm doing something that's actually worth doing. And you do want to be polarizing. 
The no's help you so much. The no's teach you often more than the yeses will. But yeah, you, this is definitely one of those things that you want to do if you've, you want to embark on this with a, an identity that is grounded in who you are and whose you are rather than in is do people like me on the internet? That's a pretty, pretty shaky foundation to, to weigh your entire life on. But yeah, that's, it's a good point. The no's that they give to you, whether they're polite or impolite, teach you. You have an opportunity to learn from that, to fold that into your thinking and say, this person said no because they perceived me this way. Or if you have a conversation with someone, if you're able to, and they're gracious enough to say, yeah, this is why it's not interesting to me, then you have data that you can fold into changing how you talk, right? So up to this point, step one is primed content ads, value-driven ads, mm -hmm. three to five minutes, just, just about. And the purpose of this step is to distill down who is paying attention to you. From there, you do a direct offer ad to this market, to the people who have been paying attention. And the ad is like literally, hey, if I offer you a, a way to get from A to B without doing all the things that you hate, would you be interested? And simply going yes or no from there. If they say yes, congratulations, you're able to serve them. If they say no, then you learn and you iterate. What's step number three? Yeah. Step number three is really broadly what I what, what's called retargeting. And if that's it's a pretty intuitive title, but if that's unfamiliar language to you, the idea of retargeting, everyone has experienced this. You go on Amazon, you're looking. I, this is something I just bought recently. I, I go and I go do heavy weightlifting. I bought these silicone rings to make it so that I don't hurt my hand picking up a picking up a bar for the deadlift or pushing it up with for the bench. And there's these simple little silicone rings. It didn't take much. They, they weren't very expensive, uh, but I was looking at a couple of brands and I hadn't decided for a couple of days. So I go on Amazon. I look for these things and then I close out of Amazon, not in Amazon anymore. And then I'm going and I'm reading a, an article online, some some ministry website. I was reading an article and they had a little space for an ad there. And what do I see in that ad but these exact silicone rings I was just weighing whether I should buy them or not, mm -hmm. right? I'm sure you've all had that experience. What has happened there is that you did something, some kind of an interaction where the company that's selling those things said, ah, this person's interested in buying. Let me send out more ads to that person's other online experiences to see if they are like, oh, maybe they just forgot. Maybe their kid ran into the room screaming. Maybe they just got off of an airplane or they're getting onto an airplane and they don't have access to the Internet. It's saying, OK, let me take another swing at getting this person's attention so that you're not just banking on the one offer you make with the direct offer ad to say, hey, maybe this was interesting to you. Let's run this back again. But re retargeting is that concept. We just want to take it from a couple of different angles. One ad that you might take once you're getting into the retargeting phase is you might put out a carousel of testimonials of people that have worked with you once you've gotten to a certain point, right? Because may maybe people didn't buy with the direct offer because what, was, what they were thinking was, I don't know if it's legitimate, right? Lots of people say things online. Maybe this person is not legit. But if you have testimonials of people with little pictures of their smiling face saying, yes, this person knows what they're talking about, and you put that in a little carousel, that might be the thing that pushes them over the edge to say, yes, let's work together, right? And it's all things like this. It might be testimonials. It might be, it might be another training. It might be a different format. It's not so important, really, all of the different details of this. 
what you want to do is just, it, you have this audience of people. You're running these ads, these, these primed content ads, and you don't stop running them. You have those running $5 a day is usually what I recommend per ad. So if you've got three of them running, that's 15 bucks a day. You're running these every day and you're consistently filling this room full of people who have interacted with your material. And then you're sending direct offers to those people. And then you're also sending other material to these people who've in engaged with you so that they get the feeling that whenever they're on Facebook, you're just there all the time. You're constantly speaking to this issue. You're constantly speaking to their needs. And it's that ecosystem of three kinds of ads that's going to get you most of the results that you're going to need on online. And I forgot to share this in the second phase, but with prime content ads and with the phase two, the direct offers and with retargeting, the goal you have, you don't send them off site. You're literally inviting them to send you a Facebook message on Messenger. Mm -hmm. And then you're just going to commit to following up with those people and having a conversation with them. And the, the reason why we do it this way is twofold. Number one, Facebook really likes when people stay on Facebook. That's their motivation, right? They financially benefit when people stay on the Facebook platform. That might be Facebook, Instagram, Messenger. I, I guess threads is a thing now, right? They want people to stay in that ecosystem. So if you have an ad that's designed to keep people on Facebook, that makes Facebook really happy and your ads are a lot less expensive. So that's one reason. It's actually much more effective for much less money. The, the second reason is that any obstacle you place between you and the people you're serving, whether that's a, I have to click to this website and then fill in my email address, or I have to click to this website and then buy this thing, or I have to click to, I have to fill in this form, or I have to fill out this application, or I have to book a call. All of those things are obstacles that you put between you and a conversation with somebody that could use your help. And what I always tell my students is that you want to, if you're going to try to make this something you earn a living from, you want to have just the conversations with as many people as you possibly can until you hit a wall and you say, I can't do more of this in a day. Then you put one obstacle in their path. It might be a book that they purchase. That's what Justin's going to be doing. It might be uh, an application or uh, an opt-in to view a webinar or something like that. But then all these other complications come along, right? So the, the good news is that all of this, the, the primed content ads, the direct offer ads, and the, the retargeting, all of it stays on the Facebook platform. It stays in Messenger. And all of it is enough. It's not just enough to get to, to 8K a month in income. It's not just enough to get to 10 or 15K. I have friends who sell, they sell a service that's $1,000 and then maybe they'll have something else on the other side that people who really want to go deep, maybe it's a year-long mastermind or maybe it's, I'll do everything for you in certain areas. They have something else that they sell on the other side. I have friends who literally without ever doing a website, without ever doing a sales funnel, without ever doing a low ticket funnel or e-commerce store or anything. I have friends that are bringing in $45,000 a month. Wow. Just using Facebook ads and Messenger. So as I'm hearing you, you walk through the chat, I, uh, I think you're right in that the strategy is super simple. So put an ad out there. And if people like the ad, invite them to take a next step. And if they don't take the next step after seeing the invitation ad, invite them again. Like, okay, cool. Very simple. I, we can all see how it works. 
I guess what I would be thinking is I'm in my head doing the math. He said, okay, $5 a day, three of these ads. I, I, okay, so we're quickly jumping up to 500 bucks a month to get like a, a bare bones getting going. Can you talk to us about mm -hmm. the goal? Because one of the, I think the lies is that it requires a massive amount of capital. And, and let's be real, $500 for a lot of people is a significant amount of money to invest in something that they don't have guarantees that are gonna work. So how do we know if we're successful and how does this actually become sustainable? Because am I expected every single month to pull $500 on my pocket? What does success look like? Yeah, this is an excellent question. I think a lot of people really struggle with it from that point. But the thinking has to shift from this is an expense to this is an investment. What happens is that we tend to view that if it's $500, okay, we can break that down really easily. If it's five bucks a day for three different video ads you're putting out there, that's $15 a day for 30-ish days in a month, you're at 350. And then if you fill that out with the retargeting and the direct offer ads, $500 is a pretty reasonable budget for this to work. Um, but we tend to view that expenditure as uh, it's in a vacuum. It's a cost. I'm pulling that from other things that I don't I don't feel comfortable necessarily pulling that money from. And a lot of us, financially speaking, let's be real, a lot of us are living right up at our margins. And so we haven't really cultivated the financial discipline to give ourselves the breathing room to be able to say, okay, I've got a passion for something. I'm building something. And I, I want to, I need to be able to get the word out. For those people to be candid, I have strategies that I teach that involve LinkedIn messaging and a little bit lower cost to entry. I still think Facebook is mo much more powerful when it comes to this, but we have to think about it as an investment. If you're putting, here's a little known fact, Paul the Apostle, when he wrote a letter, when, when we think about writing a letter, we think, let me just grab this piece of paper off of my desk in my office. Let me grab this pen that probably cost me five cents. And then let me sit down and write a, write a letter. I'll put it in an envelope I have sitting in the junk drawer in my kitchen. I'll put the address on it. I'll put the stamp on it. I put it on, I put it on a clothespin to the box outside of my house and a man comes and magically delivers it to where it's going. That's most of our experiences with writing letters. When Paul the Apostle had to write a letter, it was a three to six month long process. He wrote the whole thing out on wax tablets that he scratched into what he wanted to say. He had to take it to a scribe at the temple who was able to write much smaller than he was able to write onto papyrus sheets. And then he had to contract a person uh, to take it by hand over probably hundreds of miles of walking to the destination to, for which he had in mind for it to be sent. And he had to pay that person's way to, to get it sent. Couriers were paid for their work just to send it. So when Paul, for example, was writing his letter to the Romans, between his own expenditures of time, between selling tents in the marketplace, writing everything on the wax tablets and everything, or organizing and arranging it exactly how he wanted to, and collaborating with the scribe to get it written exactly the way that he wanted to on these small pieces of papyrus, and the papyrus cost themselves, and paying Phoebe to take it to the churches, the house church communities in Rome, he would have spent if you estimate, it's probably in the neighborhood of three to 5,000 of, of what we would consider U.S. dollars in 2023. That's, that was the personal expenditure from Paul to draft, complete, and send the, the letter to the Romans. And he did this every time he wrote a letter, right? Wow. Then they would copy it themselves and they'd have their own duplicate of it. But Paul obviously viewed this as an investment. 
and I'm not saying in any way that what we're doing is on the same level as scripture. Sure. But the the point we're th- the point we need to make the, the 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 shift in thinking is I am making an investment. I am putting out an expenditure, but it's an investment that's designed to bring people into my sphere of influence so that I can help them. And and that really is where our hearts should start. It's I want to serve these people. These people are struggling through something they need to have alleviated and I can do it. So we need to have the same heart the Apostle Paul did. And we need to write down, we need to create content that solves people's problems. And we need to be willing to maybe tighten the belt for a couple of months, maybe give up a few niceties and things that we ordinarily wouldn't want to give up in order to give them something that's going to help them solve their problems and pains. And we get the amazing benefit that if they need more help, they might pay us in return to help them back, to give them more access to us, to give them our focused time side by side with them in the trenches to resolve that problem and, so- and break the dam. But the one thing we shouldn't do is just think of it as an expenditure. It's an investment first and foremost. That I'll, I'll be honest, I've used the illustration of Paul and even John on the island of Patmos as an analogy for digital missions all the time. I've been doing that for years. Never thought about the financial investment to send a letter. That's mind-blowing. And so really appreciate that, that insight there. So when it comes to doing this, we, we view it as an, as, a, as an investment, not just in ourselves, but in the kingdom of God, something that's absolutely worth doing. When we know that it's worked, because you're talking about how the 80%, I think is the number that you quoted, 80% of the hard work is coming up with a good offer. Product market fit is, I think, the business term, which is the idea that is what you're offering actually what people want and getting clear on that 80% of the work is doing that. So let's just assume that we found the right product, we found the right service, we found the right audience, we create the right ads. What is the result of investing this X number of $100 per month, what could we expect for a, from a successful program? Yeah, very good question. Also, to be completely candid, this is not something that you start that necessarily gets running on all, firing on all cylinders right away. This is something that, if I'm being very honest with you, many times people get this process started and the, the first month is you're essentially paying for data. You might get one. You might get one sale. You might get two sales. Uh, but the the idea is that you're paying for data. Um, Facebook is sending your stuff out to all the people that f- basically fit the description of what you gave them and said, "Hey, go look for these people." But Facebook is still figuring out how to dial in. Okay, the people he added these things for what he wants me to go and search for, or she put this in for the targeting. But the people who are actually clicking on this thing all have these things in common. So maybe we'll try to find more people like that. Uh, it takes about a month for that to happen. But sure. the result is that you should be having three new, really good conversation partners every day. People who message you saying, I, I watched your video. It really got me thinking, what does this take? What does it take to get this done? My marriage is on the rocks and, and people will bear their souls to you guys. If you've, mm-hmm. if you've ever had people jump into the Bible studies the way Justin teaches, people are not afraid to just share their honest struggles with you. And that's the same thing here, right? If it's a weight loss offer, you're a personal trainer and you and a dietitian or a dietitian or a nutritionist and you can help people to lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way that doesn't make them starve, right? People will message you saying, 
it has been years since I've had the energy to play with my kids and they turn 12 next one of my sons turns 12 next year and I can't play with him I don't have the energy and I'm scared that I'm going to turn around one day at his high school graduation and feel like I wasted my entire parenting years and you'll have three people a day this is the expectation that should be set three people a day you have a good conversation with and out of those three people you have every day Let's say you get, let me do the math on that. That'd be about 90 conversation partners in a month, okay? You'll have really good conversations with about 15 of them. And I would say between five and 10 of those should buy the thing that you come up with, whatever that ends up looking like. And that can be $4,000 every single month that comes in or $8,000 a month every single month that comes in. And that, those would be like my minimum baseline standards for if this is working. So already you're putting in, if there were a machine that you could put $500 into, right? Let's make it even simpler. There's a machine you put a dollar into, and all you have to do is stand at that machine for one hour every day. And then after that hour, it spits out $5 or $10 and you pull it out of the machine. And it's, there's a, there's not really a limit. You could put in $50 and it would spit out $250, right? I would personally be using that machine a lot. <laughs> I'd be doing that pretty frequently. What I'm describing is a system where you put a little bit of money into Facebook advertising to go out and reach people. And it's in an ethical way that's helping them first and you can feel good about it. You know you're serving the Lord. What you have helps people. All of that is solved. If you put $500 into Facebook ads and you get $4,000 out, I, I consider that a pretty good deal. You know. So that's really the thinking here. It's got to be viewed as an investment. And what I would be expecting is $500 gets you about three good conversations and three conversation partners a day. And of the 90 that you'll generate in a month, uh, assuming my math isn't wrong about that, you can expect 15 to 20 good conversations with people who are actually interested. Five to 10 of those become clients and you have a way of sustaining your work ministry, we'll call it, right? Your Abad, your Hebrew I, what, my do, what I do for work is worship and how I worship God is my work. Hmm. I love that. Um, last question, because we've been running our time and I really appreciate everything that you're offering. And again, if you are really curious as to what this could look like and you just like to explore your options, you can hang out with Tim and book a call at theoverlap.design slash DMA. It's a free service to listeners of the podcast, 15 minutes of his time. And he'll just tell you, no, it's not a good fit. You're not ready yet. Or yes, absolutely. I can help you print money with this machine, the special machine that does this thing that allows you to do ministry every single day of your life. It's a beautiful thing. So that's theoverlap.design slash DMA. Last question to the person that's hearing you and they're feeling the weight of possibility and they're feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Because I'll be honest, every time I've thought about this prior to taking some action steps, the feeling of overwhelmed just continues to compound what would you encourage them to return back to if that's how they're feeling right now? Yeah, gosh. First off, my compassion, because I get that. I understand that. that I was there for a, a really long time and I was really grateful for mentors who came alongside me and guided me forward. But there's three things. And again, this is the pastor in me coming out. There's three things that I would put in front of you as well. There's a saying, I believe it's a Chinese proverb, which is the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. But the second best time is now. The, the fact of the matter is that in five years, you'll be five years older. 
whether you spend that time intentionally or not. And you may be doing something, whatever it is that you're doing to earn your income, to earn your living. If it's not what you think you were made for, you need to be aware that you can fail at that too. Mercy. You can get fired from a job you hate just as easily as you can fail at launching a business that you would love if it worked out. Okay. No one is above this. A lot of people who were working, working jobs in brick and mortar stores that they did not like or working retail lost their jobs when coronavirus happened. Right. And there was nothing that they could do to stop that. But many of those people took that as a catalyst and said, what if I did what I love instead? What if I just what if I just try it? Okay. We of all people as believers should be the most adventurous, most most willing to step out in faith people in the entire world. We have a good father who knows how to give good gifts to his children, who not only does he give every one of us the gift of another day of life, breathing in his air, living in a world he fine-tuned for us to be able to continue living, drawing, drawing in breath, bringing in nutrients, sunlight that, that grows plants that take light and dirt and water and make fruit for us to eat. Not only has he made that world and not only has he made us and given us the, the, the mental faculties, he's a good father who gave his only son to die on our behalf, to rescue us from the penalty that we deserved for our own sin. It's not as though the buck stops there and he says, cool, I've done everything I want for you. You're my children now. I'm going to boot you out of the house and you need to figure out the rest for yourself. No, you have a father in heaven who... Even if you try something and it doesn't work, David says, and I take him at his word when he says it, he has never seen the people of the Lord begging for bread. Yeah. If you have a church community around you, you have the DMA community around you. You have other believers, right? If you have that network in your life, you will be taken care of by your heavenly father. And this is only if it doesn't work. Everybody always starts with the question, what if it doesn't work? I like to, I like, I prefer to ask the question, what if it does? Yeah. What if it does? What if you partner with God and you stick it out and you move through it and you fight through it until it works, not if it works? It could, it could change everything. And five years from now, you'll be five years older, whether you do anything intentionally about it or not. The last thing I would say, I'm currently pointing at something in my background. This is a painting that I did a digital painting of an endlessly coiling rope. Okay. I just want you to envision a length of rope. Okay. And you're holding one end of that rope and th the end of the rope that you're holding, the last inch of it has been painted red. Okay. But the rest of the rope is this white coiling rope spilling the entire room that you're standing in or you're sitting in up to your chest. And it's coiling out the door into your living room or into your kitchen, out into your yard. And it's filling your entire city. It's filling the entire state and it's filling your entire country. And it's three feet off the ground, white rope coiled at the end. Okay. The red dot at the end of this rope is our earthly life here. That's what we're facing. This is all the suffering we will ever experience. 
all the pain we will ever experience as believers is just only in this red line. Okay. But what we have ahead of us is the white rope. Okay. It's the rest of the rope. We have an eternal life. Eternal means unending. It means that it never stops. And what we do, the Bible tells us that what we do here during the red rope determines the quality of the white rope. Okay. We know that there's no other foundation that can be laid except the one that has been laid, which is Christ's work. We aren't saved through our works. Jesus himself died, and there's no other foundation that can be laid other than that stands as our hope for rescue and eternal life. But we then build on top of that foundation. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, right? We build on top of that foundation with either straw and hay and shabby building materials or with wood and precious stones and with hardy materials that are going to stand the test. And personally, I don't want to get to the end of my life and stand before the throne with God looking at me saying, you, you, you could have done better. You could have done more. And I don't want to make that a legalistic thing. I will be entering into the kingdom in fullness of joy, knowing that my father accepts me not on the basis of my good works, but on the basis of the good works and the sacrifice of Jesus. But still, I will be held to account with what I did with that gift. And I want to have a very healthy, a healthy perspective of I owe my life to the one who redeemed me, who paid for me, who purchased me. And I want to give him my all. And I see this as, look, it's overwhelming. It's scary. God's people have often felt like that on the precipice of doing something great to further his name and to expand the borders of his kingdom. And every sacrifice you make now carries with it, we, we learned from Matthew 19, carries with it hundredfold rewards in the age to come. So if we're talking about investments, we need, to, we need to keep our thinking there as well. Tim, I just wanted to thank you again so much for, for lending the story, the pastoral perspective on this. Uh, pleasantly unexpected, though I know that your pastor wasn't expecting the, uh, <laughs> the, full, the full take, but it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's you serving in your capacity. This, I think this is a very meta version of what you're telling us, which is the products and services that you offer to the world in a, sen in a way to, to earn an income do not need to be divorced from who you are as a person, from who you are called to show up in the world as. And in the same way, if people take these steps, they might be able to have a, a new audience that they are called to, to serve at this level of depth, to be able to challenge and to push, and to be able to help people reach those next levels of breakthrough. So I'm praying for every person listening to this episode that they will take those next steps, whether on their own or with you. If they want to do it with you, that's great. The link's in the, the show notes. But even if they just do it on their own, they create primed content ads, they create direct offer ads, and they learn how to do retargeting. These are things that you could learn with a Google search. You could learn with a YouTube search. It's not that complicated. There are ways to learn. And so if you do it by yourself, fantastic. May God be glorified. And if you'd like to do it with Tim, because you like what he's offering and you like the vibes, and it's just helpful to have someone on your team that's been there further, you can do that over at theoverlap.design slash DMA. Tim, Thanks so much for your time today. 